Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. All right, all right. Is anybody excited to be at church? Come on, let's give Jesus a big ovation of worship all over his house. Half of you are standing up, half of you are sitting down. You go ahead, have a seat. And on your way to your seat, won't you high five your neighbor? Say, I'm glad you're sitting next to me. I'm glad you're sitting next to me. I'm glad you made it to church. I'm glad you made it to church. Awesome, awesome. Awesome, man. I'm so glad you're here. Um, really quickly, if I've never met you, my name is Dustin, and we're just uh, just so thankful that you could be anywhere. And I, know I, say, I say this all the time, but you could be anywhere else, but you're at church. And so just really thankful for you, really glad that you're here. And I want to just start off by celebrating like this time of year right now. I just love this time of year, and I want to celebrate just you guys. Uh, this last, like the last couple of weeks have been incredible with what you shared with Legacy and just that, that the mentality, what we're looking towards, eyes towards eternity and watching God do some incredible stuff. And I've got some things I'll share with you over the next few weeks that God has been doing. He's already been working behind the scenes on a couple things that we talked about, what we're going to be doing with the Legacy Offering. But one of those things, obviously, last week was Orange Bag Sunday. And I just love the fact that there was a ton of orange bags that you guys brought in. And so much so um, that we had to rent a U-Haul in order to take them all the way over to Needline. Come on, somebody. How about that? So we got a, we got a couple of pictures. I just want to share, like, just your generosity. Like, literally, I mean, li- over 230 of them, like, we counted 230 while they were still out there, and then as we were packing them out, we didn't even think about actually counting them uh, hand by hand. But, like, I'm just telling you, it was awesome uh, to be able to load that up and then take that over to Needline. They were blown away. When we pulled in the parking lot, they were blown away at your generosity. And so I just want to tell you, I just love being your pastor, just love being just a part of this community. And uh, I'll just tell you, on top of that, on top of your generosity of filling those bags up, what we had a chance to do was write them a check for 200 turkeys turkeys or hams, whichever one they want to buy, um, what they're going to do is, is feed people this Christmas because of your generosity. And then while we were there, yeah, come on, let's, let's celebrate that together. That's 200 families that are going to eat. This Christmas, because I'm just so thankful for you. And while we were there, um, there were uh, there was one big ticket item that they didn't get, like nobody purchased, and it was 400 dozen eggs. Okay, so like you know that's kind of hard to keep. Well, guess what? Because of your generosity, we just went ahead and said, "Hey, we're gonna pay for those too." We went and picked up 400 dozen eggs and delivered them on your behalf, Purpose Church. So come on, can we thank God for what we've for what we've been a part of being a, a, a difference in this community? I just want to tell you, thank you for that. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, at this season where you could be very selfish, focused on yourself, and you were willing to say, hey, no, no, I'm going to focus on the other people. We're going to give. We're going to be generous. It's going to be who we are and what we do. And so I just want to tell you thank you for that so much. And I want to encourage you uh, over these next couple weeks to be inviting people to church because what happens is not this. uh, Did y'all know that Christmas is two weeks from today? Come on, some of y'all are like, oh, no, I need to go to Marshall's right after this, right? You got to get your Christmas shopping done. It's two weeks from today. And I'll just tell you, we're moving our our Sunday morning experiences actually to the Wednesday night before 
Christmas, and we will have something online that day for you and your family to be able to enjoy. But we're going to be moving our Christmas services to Wednesday. That way we can reach even more people. That way we can go out there and you can get your friends, the people that you're at school with or at work with. Like, get them here next Wednesday night. That's 10 days from now. It's on December the 21st. We've got two different experiences. I mean, same experience, two different times, 530 and 7. And so you're going to want to be here that night. You're going to want to get everybody you know here to church that night. It's going to be a great night. I just believe that God is going to do something. There's just something special about a night service. So y'all just get ready for Christmas at purpose. We got candles. Come on, somebody. We may burn this mug down, but we're going to do whatever, right? It's going to be great. We got Santa coming, cookie. I mean, we got all kinds of stuff. You do not want to miss it. Tell everybody, tell your cousin Eddie. That's my favorite movie, just so everybody knows. It's Christmas, you know, Christmas vacation, but we won't talk about that today. Uh, but like, like, Bring everybody that you know to next Wednesday night. And I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be a message. I believe that God is going to speak through, that God is with us always, that he is always there, that he is always speaking. And just believing as we do our part, God will do the only thing that he can do in saving. But he's going to use us by inviting other people. So I encourage you, Christmas is one of the times in, like the easiest time of year, actually it's actually surpassed Easter as being the easiest time to invite somebody and them actually say yes to coming to church. So if you've been praying about somebody, man, I want them to come. I want them to be a part. I want them to come and, and, and be at church sitting next to me. Ask them to come to Christmas at Purpose. Are everybody good with that? If you're good with it, say, I'm good with it. Love, love it, love it, love it. Well, we've been in a series that we kicked off last week called God With Us. Everybody shout, God With Us. Yeah, so God with us is this idea that this isn't just an idea, it comes from Scripture and the fact that we don't serve a God who's far off, we don't serve a God who's dead, we don't serve a God who's distant, no, we serve a God who is with us. Where do we get that from? We get that from the Word of God, right? We get that from the Bible, all the way in the very first chapter of the Newer Testament, Matthew chapter uh, 1 in verse 23. So if you're ready for God's Word, say, I'm ready. So I want you to turn there, and then we're going to camp out in Exodus chapter 15 for a few minutes after this, all right? So Matthew 1 is really where this idea, this, this concept that God isn't a far-off God comes into play because he tells us in his word right here in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, look, somebody shout, look. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us, right? God with us. And so last week we started talking about this idea that God is with us in the valley, that when you find yourself in a valley, and just be honest, this is church, we can be honest together, anybody ever found himself in a valley? Come on, wave at me. Anybody ever found yourself in a tough spot, a hard spot in your life? Well, hey, I want you to know that we serve a God that is with us even in the valley. We started talking about that, that we get to know God on the mountaintop and enjoy him, but we, re- we get to enjoy him on the mountaintop, but we really get to know his character in the valley. We really get to know who he is in the valley. And then we talked about how God never promised that we wouldn't walk through valleys, right? We never promised that. He just promised that he would never let us walk through them alone as long as we got a relationship with him. And so I just want to let you know that, that that's the God that we serve, that that's the God that you and I proclaim. And again, he is God with us. And today we're actually going to walk through this idea of God is with us in the wilderness, in the wilderness. And maybe you don't know what that kind of means, but anybody that has ever been wandering around somewhere, anybody ever been somewhere before where you feel like, man, I don't know what I need to do next. Anybody ever been there? I think that that's, that's what we're talking about when we say wilderness. And I just believe that the Lord is going to speak to some people today. If we would just open our heart, open our ears, open our lives to have him speak into us today. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Do you mind setting your Bible down to the side just for a second? 
right where you are, would you just open your hands up to God, and would we just ask him, and God, you can speak to us today as we pray. God, we thank you for today. God, you can put in whatever you want to put in. You can take out whatever you want to take out, and God, we're going to trust you. We believe that your Holy Spirit is going to speak to us through your word today, and God, we just believe that we are going to be receptive to hear from you. God, speak to us today. We know that you're a God with us, even in the hard times, even in the times where it doesn't make sense, and we're going to trust and believe that today. God, we love you. We honor you. We praise you. Speak now, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody said amen. Come on, if you love Jesus one more time, can we make a little bit of noise all across this house? I like it. I like it. So I, I got a question. I, I, how many of you know, we kind of kicked it off the same way last week, but how many of you know in the room it's easy to believe that God is with us when everything seems to be going good, right? Seems to be, it seems to be pretty easy to believe that God is with us when that takes place. And I just want us to know that that's something that I, I grew up in church, right? I grew up in church, and we used to have this saying all the time, right? God is good and all the time. Okay, that's all the church folks right there. All right, if you didn't know that, that was one of them things back in the day. People just say, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good, except when we think that he's not, right? Right, except when we think that we're going through something. How in the world can we really think that God is good? How in the world can we really believe that God is with us when it feels like everything around us is falling apart, when it feels that way? And again, when we're in the middle of a wilderness season. So maybe, again, you don't know what a wilderness season feels like. I want you to know wilderness is just a metaphor for something like a, a, a trial that you're walking through. Like, man, you're going through a difficult situation. You're going through a hardship. You're going through a time where you feel like you're just kind of wondering, not really sure what you should do next. That's what we're talking about when we say a wilderness season. And so maybe some of you find yourself right there. Right? Maybe some of you find yourself in a wilderness season where you feel like, you know what, I got, I've got some options, but I don't know what to do. I'm in a place where I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do, whether I'm saying yes or no, whether I'm supposed to go or stay. Maybe some of you are like, okay, I've got this job, I've been there for a while, am I supposed to stay or should I go back to college and get my degree? And then I know that like college means more loans and student debt, but like at the same time, it's a better opportunity for me and my family if I take this job and you feel like you're in a wilderness season. Feel like you're not really sure what to do next. Maybe for some of you, you're like, okay, should we keep renting this house? Uh, you know, I, I feel like I can never make it home. I feel like it can never just be where we settle in. Uh, or, or, or do we buy and make our, our, our house our home? And Like, what do we do? I'm kind of in this season where I'm not really sure what it looks like, and I'm wondering. Maybe for some of you, you've been dating that dude for years, right? You've been dating him, you've been dating him, you've been dating him, and uh, guess what happens? After so long, you're like, I wonder, is he ever going to propose, right? Is he ever going to, should I stay or should I go? All he does is play video games all day, and uh, should I stay or should I go? I'm going to tell you go. No, I'm not going to tell you that today. But maybe you're wondering, like, what is it? Like, what am I waiting on? Like, what, what's going on? I'm in a season where it feels like nothing is really connecting. Feels like nothing that everything I kind of set out to do, everything I had my vi my mind towards, my vision kind of set on, nothing is working out. It's all looking weird. It's all feeling like I'm just walking through aimlessly, wandering. And again, maybe sometimes you feel that way. And I know what it feels like sometimes when you're walking through a season of wilderness, you feel alone, you feel disoriented, you feel like, man, I can't get my mind right, I, can't, I feel lost, I feel like nobody understands what I'm going through. And here's what I want you to know. That's exactly where the Israelite people find themselves in Exodus chapter 15. 
Exodus chapter 15, we're going to talk about it in just a second. But I want to give you some context before we read what we're going to read. It's going to be in the main passage of Scripture today. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Exodus 15, if you don't have your Bible, there's going to be a big giant one up here in a second on the screen behind me. But I want to give us some context to what we're reading and where we catch up with the story before we jump into the Bible together. Everybody good with that? Say, I'm good. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I want us to know that the Israelite people are God's people, right? He's, he has spoken to these people. He's kind of saying, hey, there's going to be a nation that comes through you. And what happens is, is the Israelite people find themselves in captivity in Egypt under a guy's name by the name of Pharaoh, all right? And so for not just a little, a little while were they doing that, for 400 years. Tap your neighbor and say, that's a long time. That's a long time. That's a long time. 400 years they're in slavery, 400 years they're in bondage, 400 years they're in captivity. They are serving this guy like, like and it's not just serving, it is like they are, they are in slavery. They're in bondage to these people. So what I want you to get is this is going on with God's people. And one day God calls this guy by the name of Moses, who I like to call Big Mo. And Big Mo, he says, Big Mo, I need you to go to Pharaoh and I need you to tell him, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh, baby, let my people go. All right, then. All right, y'all like, some of y'all like, I don't know what just happened. That's for all the, the Sunday school kids right then growing up, all right? But, like, that's literally what God told Pharaoh, hey, or told Moses, go to the most powerful man in all of the world at this time, which is Pharaoh at this time. Go to Pharaoh, and I want you to go to him, and I want you to stand in front of him. He could have your head lopped off in front of you. Like, he could do whatever he wants. But I want you to stand in front of him, and I want you to tell him, hey, you are going to let God's people go. You're going to let my people go. And Moses is like, no. Big Moses is like, no, I can't do that. I have a stuttering issue. There's no way I can go to him. And he says, oh, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to speak on your behalf. I will do all of that. Right? Just, I just need you to go. And so he ultimately ends up going with his brother named Aaron. And they go before Pharaoh, and they say, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, baby, let my people go. Okay, I'm just trying, one day all of us are going to get there, all right, we'll all get there together. But like, like they literally go to Pharaoh and that's what they sing. They don't sing it, but I'm sure they say it, right? And they say, hey, you got to let God's people go. And Pharaoh's like, why in the world would I give up all of this free labor? Why in the world would I do that? There's no reason for that. And he's like, no, I'm not, no, no, I'm Momo, I'm not doing that, okay? Like, I'm not giving that up. And what we begin to see in Exodus as you read it is this idea that there are plagues that begin to take place, Right? There's these plagues that go on in the land of Egypt, and we know about them where the water turns to blood, and they can't drink any water, and there's flies everywhere. And then, like, uh, listen, there's frogs. Some of y'all like, I'm out at frogs. All right, you can have them. I'm done. There's frogs that are overtaking. I mean, everywhere in the beds, in, I mean, in their houses, everywhere that they go, there are frogs. There's all of these plagues that are taking place. And lastly, the tenth plague that takes place is one that's a serious, really, really serious plague. And it was this idea that God had told them, hey, listen, I want you, the Israelite people, to put the blood of the lamb over your doorpost. I want you to do that. I want you to kill a lamb. I want you to put it over the doorpost. And listen, if you will do that, I'm going to pass over your house. And what's going to happen is this tenth plague, what I'm going to do is actually take the life of every single firstborn male, both uh, livestock and literally human life. And I, if that blood is not over the, the doorpost of your house, I'm going to take, that, I'm going to take that, that firstborn son. So what I want you to know is that obviously the people of Israel respected, honored God with their lives. They served him even in the middle of slavery. Yet Pharaoh and the Egyptians were like, no, we don't want no part of that. And what happened was the death angel came through and literally all of the firstborn, they all passed away. They all died. 
And so Pharaoh's son was one of them. And Pharaoh was upset. Pharaoh was like, okay, Mo, get your people. Y'all get out of here, right? Y'all got to go. You got to get out of here. And you can take whatever you want on the way out, which I think is an incredible part of the story that a lot of us don't know. But the fact is, is that like literally they got to plunder all of Egypt before they left. They got to take as much stuff as they wanted before they left. So they leave and they make their way out and they're starting to leave Egypt. This is a big deal because this is not just like a a group of a couple hundred people. We're talking uh, a lot of people believe at the time two million people that are leaving the city of Egypt. They're leaving the country of Egypt. They're, They're out of there. They're leaving, and Moses is their leader, leading them out of Egypt. And so what happens is, is again, they get about halfway up the road, and what does Pharaoh realize? Oh, no, I just let all my free labor go. I just let all these people that, are, that were serving me, building these temples, building these uh, pyramids, I just let them all go. So, boys, let's saddle up. We're going to get the chariots. We're going to get the horses. We're going to go after them. We're going to take them back captive. They're going to come back home with us, all right? So that was Pharaoh, and that was what his plan was to do. And so, again, the Israelite people are marching. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They're marching, following Moses, who's following the voice of God. And they get to a spot where they hear, the. You, if you can just imagine for a second, like they hear the, foot, the feet of, of horses tromping in behind them. And then they, they look in front of them, and there is this humongous sea in front of them. And they're thinking, oh, my gosh, there's no way we're going to be able to get through this. There's no, we just might as well just go back to captivity. We just might as well go back to what we were doing. And what we find out is that this is the Red Sea. It's out in front of them. Everybody say Red Sea. Right? The Red Sea is in front of the Israelite people. And what we find out is that there's this moment where Moses just is trusting God. And what begins to happen is in the moment that God takes the Red Sea, and what's he do? He parts it, right? And what I love so much about that is the parted Red Sea, it literally goes, I mean, it, it's, it's in half. And has anybody ever been to like an aquarium? Right, you ever been to an aquarium that you kind of ride through? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I can just imagine for a second, this is like one of the first ride-through aquariums. You know what I'm talking about? Like, walls of water on the side, and there's Shamu just like right there, free willy on this side. And it was just, you know, like, you just imagine that for a second, like literally a wall of water. And they're walking through. The Bible even is so descriptive. Read your Bible. It's so good because the Bible tells us they're walking across on what? Dry ground. The water was just there for a long time, right? And then it was, uh, it was split. The Israelite people, two million people are walking across dry ground to get to the other side of the Red Sea. Again, trying to get away from the people that are trying to chase them behind them. So finally they get all the way to the other side. This is all before what we're going to read today. And they get to the other side and what begins to happen is Pharaoh and his army is now in the middle of the Red Sea. And in that moment right there, God calls the waters to go back to where it was all the Red Sea again. And all of Pharaoh and his army drowned immediately. So what I want us to see though is right now, before we pick up what we're reading today, y'all need to understand, this is victory dance time, right? So right in your seat right now, I want to see your best victory dance. Come on, right where you at? Come on, come on, let me see it. Hands up, hands up. Okay, yeah, okay, I see you, I see you. Yeah, she got a good victory dance right there, all right. Like, this is victory dance time, okay? 400 years of slavery, 400 years of oppression, You don't matter. Your family doesn't matter. You are no good to us. You are nothing. And these people are finally free. How many of y'all know it's going to be a party that takes place? It's going to be something that happens. It's going to be like, okay. And listen, if you read the first part of Exodus chapter 15 that we're going to read today, you read Exodus like 1 through 21, what's happening is there is a party going on. They're singing. There's dancing. I'm just telling y'all, I think they was Pentecostal. You know why? Because they had a tambourine up in that joint. Come on, somebody, right? They were just tambourine and singing and all kinds of stuff like that. And so, again, you read that Exodus 15. 
That's what's taking place, right? They have this incredible experience. God just did the impossible. Can you believe what just happened? We went from, oh my gosh, oppression to an incredible mountaintop experience. And literally, watch as we read uh, uh, 21 verses after they leave, after they leave through the Red Sea, this incredible experience. Watch what happens. If you're ready for it, say, I'm ready. Here's what it says in Exodus 15, verse number 22. It says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Again, tambourines and all. They dancing. They're excited. It's a victory dance. Right? Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And then it says, then they went out into the what? Come on, let's all say it together. Then they went out into the what? Wilderness of Shur. It's a place where they went. And they went three days where? Come on, let's say it together. The three days in the wilderness, all right? Three days in the wilderness and found no water. And the Bible says, now when they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah, for they were bitter, both the people and the water. Come on, somebody, right? Therefore, the name of it was called Merah. And the people, watch what it says. The people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And watch what the Bible says in verse 25. It says, so he, Moses, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. How many of y'all have ever heard this story before? If you haven't, it's okay. We'll talk about it a little bit. Okay, a lot of people haven't. I love this idea that we're going to kind of tackle something new today. And maybe you haven't heard this before. Maybe you haven't heard this story before. But I think this story is all too familiar to a lot of us. Because if you're anything like me, so many times in my life, what happens is there's a Red Sea moment that's usually followed up by a desert moment. That, that literally the Israelites had just been delivered from their enemy at the Red Sea, were on their way to the promised land, and literally three days in, they experienced a shortage of water. So after the victory dance, I mean, they didn't even get the, the moves all the way out. They find themselves in the middle of a wilderness. And what that got me thinking about, what that got me just, I believe about the, literally, the, as, as a follower of Jesus, what I think so many times we need to understand is that wilderness experiences often follow mountaintop experiences, right? That wilderness seasons often follow mountaintop seasons. That great problems often follow, it seems like, great victories, right? I think many of us can understand that because at times, though, what we tend to think is, you know what it should be all the time? Victory, 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 mountaintop, mountaintop, mountaintop. That should be the norm is what we believe is what we think should happen as a follower of Jesus. But victory is actually often sandwiched in between the lessons that we learn in the middle of the difficulty. That's really where the victories are coming in. And maybe you find yourself right now in a wilderness season. Maybe you find yourself in a wilderness experience right now. Things were going great, and then you found out that somebody wasn't being honest to you, and suddenly you're in a wilderness season. It seemed like everybody in your family was healthy, everybody in your family was good, and all of a sudden you get a moment where, hey, it's, it's cancer. In a moment you get a bad diagnosis. It's diabetes. You're going to have to change your life forever. Like you, you're gonna have to, and you find yourself in a wilderness season. I felt like the, the Holy Spirit impressed this on my heart specifically for so long, like for somebody in this room, it seemed like your family was great, you loved Jesus, your kids loved Jesus, but now it's been two years since you've spoken to them. And you find yourself in the middle of a wilderness season. What am I supposed to do, God? Where am I going? What, what, what's happening? Why is this going on? Maybe some of you, you thought your spouse, spouse is being faithful and come to find out that they weren't the whole time. And oh my gosh, you find yourself in this wilderness season. 
Maybe for somebody in the room, you're in a financial wilderness and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying to get out of debt and yet you feel so desperate and whatever it is that you seem to do, you get ahead a little bit and then you just get knocked right back back and you think, what in the world am I going through? I'm in the middle of a wilderness season. You try to tell people how you feel, but they don't seem to understand. You feel alone in the wilderness season. You feel spiritually empty in a wilderness season. You feel desperate in the wilderness. And I think the question that all of us, if we would just be really honest right now, if we would just be really honest with ourselves today, is that the question that most of us have when we're in the middle of a wilderness season, you want to know what it is? Why? And I think if we would just take just a little bit of like just a, just a little bit of a, a, a look at our own life, think about the wilderness seasons you may find yourself in or have found yourself in in the past, and I think that's the number one question that we ask. Why? Why, God? Why me? Why now? Why? why? Like everything was going good. Everything was, every, I had it all together. Had it all figured out. Why? Why, God? Everything around me now feels broken. Everything around me now feels depleted and dry. And we would ask the question, why, God? Why? And I don't know about you if you've ever found yourself there. That's a desperate place to be. It's a desperate place to be. And you're asking God, why? Why now? Why me? And again, the Israelites are doing the exact same thing. I look at this scripture right here. Moses brings them out of the Red Sea. They went into the wilderness of Shur. They were in the wilderness three days, and they're in the wilderness, found no water. And watch what the, the Bible says. The people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Like, what are we doing out here? What are we doing in this place? Why are we here? Like, what are we supposed to do now? Like, we, we just had like a, a whole wall of water, and now we ain't got no water. Like, what, what are we supposed to do? Like, what, what, why? why? Why did you bring us out here? Why is this happening to us? Like, we just went through all of that, just walked through dry ground, like a dry seabed, only to die out here? Why? And as I look around this room, and I just believe people that are watching online or listening on the podcast, I feel the Holy Spirit telling me that some of you right now, this is exactly, if you were honest with yourself, this is exactly where you are this Christmas season. This is exactly where you find yourself. And you probably would have said something like this to God when you're asking the question, why? You probably tag it on with something like this. God, why? I've had enough. God, why? I, I can't take anymore. God, why? I'm, I'm exhausted. God, why? I'm, I'm overwhelmed. God, I'm doing the very best I can, and the best I can just doesn't seem good enough. Maybe for some of you, that's the wilderness that you find yourself in right now. I just want to tell you, I just want to remind you that we've got a God that we serve who is Emmanuel that is with us in the wilderness. And uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, he's a Christian psychologist, was talking to a room full of people. He was telling them kind of like what, what a lot of us in this room would be probably going against and up against and experiencing right now. And how all these leaders in this room were telling people how tired they were, right? Or in, in the South, we say tarred. Come on, somebody, right? We tarred. Uh, uh, worn out they were. Just my plum wore out, right? And uh, what Dr. Henry Cloud said, it says, for most of you, you're probably misdiagnosing your challenge. Most of you are not tired because if you were tired, you could take a nap and that would solve your problem. You're not in need of physical rest as much as you are in need of a spiritual replenishment. And I think so many people that when we get to this stage in our life in a wilderness season, I think many of you may be misdiagnosing your need. I think many of us will say that we're tired or we're exhausted. 
And we think just a little bit of change will help, or if I could get this, or if I could do that, or if I could have that. You're not just overwhelmed. You're not just tired. I just believe, and I just hope you hear me as your pastor today, coming to you to encourage you. What you need is an encounter with the very real and holy presence of God. That what you need is an intimate moment where you experience the grace, the goodness, the love, the kindness, the mercy of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And this is what I know is that if you will choose to see it God's way, there's purpose in the wilderness. There's purpose in the pain. There's purpose in the struggle. There's purpose in the difficulty because this is what I know is that when you have such a deep need inside of you, it can actually become a gift if it points you to God. Right? Like this, this innate thing on the inside of you where you're feeling like I cannot do anything to fill this need in my life. I'm searching. I've tried. I've tried looking. I've tried finding. I've tried this. I've tried that. And there is this great hole inside of my life. There's this great need. Did you know that that need actually becomes a gift when it points you to Jesus, when it points you to God? Like when you get to the end of your rope, guess what? You find out that he's the only thing worth holding on to. Right? When you're at, the, need, you're at the, the lowest moment of your life, when you get to the end of your supply, you find out that he is Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. When you've ran out of steam and feel like there's no hope, there's no way to keep going on, he is Jehovah Nisi, my banner of victory, that we serve a God who is victorious over everything. When you toss and turn all night wondering what it is I'm supposed to do next, he is Jehovah Shalom, which means he's my peace. See, we have a God that says, I am the bread of life, and if you partake in me, You'll never be hungry again. I am the living water, and if you thirst and if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. You've tried your own way, but I am the way. You tried to seek after your own truth, but I am the truth. You thought about these things and think that they would give you life, but I am your life. See, what happens is, is your need becomes a gift when it drives you to the person of Jesus. Come on. Is anybody thankful for that name? Is anybody thankful for Jesus that in your moment of need, he's not saying no? I'm not with you. I don't want to be around you. No, he is God with us even in the middle of our wilderness, even in the middle of our pain, even in the middle of the struggle, even in the middle of everything seeming like it's cracking and breaking around you. He is God with us. Psalm 23, I love it so much. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Somebody say nothing. Nothing. Like you need to get a little angry sometimes when you're reading the Bible, right? Like nothing. I ain't got nothing that I need because the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Watch what it says. He refreshes my soul. He restores my soul. He refreshes my soul. You think you might need a nap? No, no, no. You need to go to the source of all rest, and his name is Jesus. You may think that you need to go to this or that to fill the void that's on the inside of your life. No, 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 no. You need to go to the source of all life. His name is Jesus. That's exactly what Moses does with the Israelite people. Did you notice? They came to Moses and they complained. They came to Moses and said, yo, what are we doing out here? Why are we here? But watch Moses. Watch what he does. Verse 25. So he cried out to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. See, what I love about this is that in their greatest need, they needed water to live. They needed water to keep going. They needed water to continue to journey on to where God had called them to go. 
It was in their greatest need that it, it actually pointed Moses the right direction to go back to the very source that is the one that controls it all, created it all, breathed life into it all, and that's where Moses ran. And so my encouragement for us is that, what, yeah, you may find yourself in a wilderness season, but let it be the thing that drives you to Jesus. Let it be the thing that drives you to him, that drives you towards his voice speaking to you, and God will minister to you in the middle of your vulnerability. God will answer you in the middle of your questioning. God will bring healing in the middle of your hurt. And that's why I'm hoping that you'll understand that the deepest need inside of you can actually be a gift when it drives you to depend on, to depend on God. And I believe that we got to be a church that does that, that depends on the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit and what God has called us to do. And I think I love this so much that the Hebrew word, did you know the Hebrew word for desert actually means, or, or, or wilderness actually means the place of speaking? Do you know that? And I think so many times what happens in our life is we're expecting God to speak to us in the grandiose way, in the big picture, the big thing. Like, God, that's how you're going to speak to me. It's got to be huge. Like, okay, I didn't like that sign. Give me a bigger sign, God. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever done that before? You know, like, I've been praying for that and that happened, but give me another one, right? Like right after it, all right? We do that a lot, right? We're expecting there to be some grandiose thing whenever God, I just want to, I kind of want to take it to another Old Testament story, a guy by the name of Elijah. Elijah just had a mountaintop experience, and we find him literally in a valley where he's saying, you know what, I would rather be dead. I'd rather be done. I'd rather, God, you could kill me right now, and I'd be okay with that, literally. I mean, he said, I want to die. So what we see is Elijah just had this mountaintop godly experience. He finds himself in the wilderness in a valley, and God says, hey, 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 Bubba, come here. Come to the side of the mountain and look out for my presence. And all of a sudden, what, what he, a couple things start coming by, right? The very first thing is this big wind comes by, and guess what? God wasn't in the wind. Next thing comes and happens is the earthquake. God wasn't in the earthquake. Next thing that comes by is, is the fire, and God wasn't in the fire. Y'all thought earth, wind, and fire, it's in the Bible. Come on, somebody, right? That's where it's at for all the older people in the room. It's from the Bible, all right? Like earth, wind, and fire. We used to listen to my, dad, my dad's Cadillac growing up. My dad was a 70s man. Boy, we listened to that all the time. Okay, doesn't matter. Um, but God wasn't in the earth, uh, wasn't in the wind, the fire, the, the storm, the, the loudness. No, no, no. Watch what happened after that story. Elijah says that, hey, after all of those things, there was a still, small voice. There was a gentle whisper, and that's where God was. And I think so many times we are looking for God to do the remarkable that we miss him in the ordinary. I think God is trying to challenge some of us to make sure and get our eyes on those things, get our hearts on those things. That again, we're waiting. When, man, when we feel over, overwhelmed by stress and we have anxiety that's just piling up, why does it seem like God's voice is so quiet? You ever been there? Why does it feel like he's so quiet? Why does it feel like he's not speaking? Why doesn't he speak to us in like these powerful moments, these powerful ways? Why does his voice seem so small or distant? Like if God wants us to hear him, if God wants me to follow him, if God wants me to trust him, why doesn't he do something like really extravagant, really big? Why does it always seem like he whispers? And this is what I know. God whispers, you know why? Because he's close. Because he's with us. God is with us. Like I want you to understand, God doesn't shout to get your attention. He whispers to bring you close. I don't know what you may be listening to or what what big thing you may be looking for, but my heart, my challenge is that, hey, would you not miss God in the ordinary? Would you not miss God in the everyday? Would you not miss God in the, in the things that are right there in front of you where he is speaking to you and it's very plain, but you and I are just ignoring it? Like, would we be people that said, hey, you know what, I'll, I'm, I'm going to listen to the everyday ordinary thing 
And God doesn't have to shout. He whispers. And what does he whisper to you when he pulls you close? When you're in the middle of this wilderness season, when you're in the middle of this, this stressful time, when you're in the middle of this wandering and not knowing what to do next, what does he say to you? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I've been with you every moment. I love you more than you can ever imagine. I sent my son for you so that, guess what, in the middle of your pain, you would know that you have somebody that's there. When you hurt, I'm with you. I'm with you in the valley. I'm with you in the wilderness. I'm with you in the storm. And when you're at the end of your rope and you have the greatest need of your life, it actually can be a gift because it will push you to God if you'll let it. If you'll let it. I just think that's so important. If your heart is hurting right now, listen to me. If your heart is hurting right now, my heart for you, if you feel like maybe you're in a wilderness season, if you feel like maybe for some of you, you feel heartbroken, where is God, why am I here, why is this happening to me, let me tell you where he is. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 34 that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So maybe you walked in the doors of this church today crushed. Maybe you walked in the doors of this church today feeling brokenhearted busted, like your life doesn't matter, like your, 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 your story doesn't matter. Listen to me when I say this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And one thing I'm learning right now in the middle of a se- just, just seasons of life, of, of valleys or wilderness that we may experience is this idea, I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than on a mountaintop without Him. Right? I'd rather be in the middle of, a, of the wilderness with God at my side, with God with me, than on a mountaintop experiencing what life has to offer without Him. I just think that that should be something that would just drive us to just want to depend on him even more. I think, and I told you last week, I was just kind of open, honest, and transparent with you that there's been seasons of my life and of where I have struggled with depression, where I've struggled with some anxiety that, that kept, literally kept me from wanting to get out of bed. And I shared that with you guys, and I, I, don't, I don't share that, like, listen to me, I'm not sharing that to get sympathy, trust me, because I'm sharing it because I want you to know that we all go through valleys, that we all go through wilderness seasons. And I, I remember going through that season about two years ago, and I remember, again, thinking, okay, people can say anything, people can say everything, and yet the, the need that I have is never satisfied or filled by their words. And they can say, man, you're, you're, you know, man, speaking life, doing all of that, and I encourage people to do that. When you know somebody that's down, when you know somebody that's, that's hurting, man, speak some life. Do that. But, but here's the thing. I, I remember, like, those things, they, they were great, and I appreciated them so much, but they weren't the thing that was going to get me out of the wilderness season that I was in. I think it was, it was in that moment where I was so desperate, because I didn't know if I wanted to wake up. I didn't know if I wanted to get out of bed. I didn't know if I wanted to be a husband and a dad. I didn't know if I wanted to be the pastor of a church. It was in a moment where you probably have felt the same way before. You're thinking, I don't know if I want to do this. I'm in a wilderness. I'm in the middle of a wilderness. It was in that moment that the need I felt like in my life was so great that there was only one person to go to. It wasn't my wife. As much as I love her, it wasn't my friends. It wasn't our team. It wasn't social media. It wasn't what my grandmama would say. Was she trying to encourage me in that? It wasn't any of those things, what, what my dad would say or... You know, the, the very place that I found the satisfaction that my heart desired and needed was God. And I say that because I have gone my, my life thinking that all of those other things would help me. And I 
think there's many of us in the room that would say the same thing. Like, like we, we, we've been in a wilderness season. And if I, you know, man, I can, I can get through it. I'm going to get through it. You would just never be able to experience the breakthrough that God has promised you doing it on your own. And I think that that's just where, in that moment, the greatest need actually became a gift. Because what did it do? It drove me to God. It drove me to go to the only person that I knew to go to. The only, the, 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 the God that saved me. The God that delivered me from sin. The God that, that set me free from my past and the addictions and other things that I've had in my life. And the, the one that in the middle of my brokenness knew exactly what I needed. Because he created me, he spoke into me, he formed me. He saved me, gave me a purpose. I had to go back to the source. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, and I feel that in my spirit today. Maybe there's some people in this room that in the middle of the wilderness season, trying all of the things to try and figure out what your next step looks like. And I'm just going to encourage you, go to the source. Let it drive you to God. Let it drive you to Him. Let it drive you to, to know what He wants to do. I, I, and I think you, you, a lot of times we may think, well, Jesus doesn't know what I'm going through. Absolutely He does. Absolutely he does. You know why? The Bible tells us in Hebrews that guess what? This great high priest of ours that we serve, that we love, he knows exactly what we're going through. He's been through every temptation. He's faced all the same testings that we do, yet he never sinned. You know anything about Jesus? Right after a mountaintop experience, he just was baptized. He just literally like, like is starting his public ministry. How I many you know that's kind of a big deal? He's like, he's about to go, oh yeah, I got three years. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do this. Like, this is going to be awesome. This mountaintop experience, literally baptized. He comes up out of the water, uh, 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 like the Holy Spirit, like a dove descending down, an audible voice from heaven. This is my son who I'm well pleased. How many of y'all know that's a mountaintop experience, right? That'd be a good day for us if the Lord just looked down at one of you and said, I'm, I'm proud of you today, right? That'd be a big deal, okay? Like that, that literally happens, and the next thing you know is immediately. Somebody say immediately. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Immediately after that, what does Jesus go and do? Matthew 4, verse 1, it says this, that the Spirit of God led him where? To be tempted by the devil. This is what I know, is that we don't serve a God who's far off and doesn't care, doesn't, doesn't think, that, that, doesn't matter, that your life doesn't matter. No, 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 no. He's been exactly where you are. He knows exactly what it feels like in the wilderness. He was there for 40 days and 40 nights without food and water. He was there and, again, tempted by the devil. But I love how Jesus responded. His need, right, became his response that drove him to God. Right, it's the greatest gift that he could have. It was a thing that he said every uh, multiple times, three times actually. Hey, you know what? No, no, no. I know you're saying that, devil, but this is actually what the Bible says. This is what Scripture says. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Word of God says. Listen, y'all, that's why it's so vital that we know what this Word says. That's why it's so vital that you, man, if you don't have a Bible, I want to give you one. We want to give you one today. Like, take this thing and read it. That's why next year, a huge focus for us, starting January 1, we're going to read through the Bible as a church together. You know why? Because we need to know this. You need to live this. we got to breathe this. Jesus was setting the example that when we're in the middle of the wilderness, let the wilderness drive you to the one who holds it all, created it all, and knows it all. And he's the same one that reaches out to you and says, yeah, you may be in the wilderness, but I will be with you. I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. I will not throw you out. I promise to be near you if you will draw near to me. I just want to challenge some people today. Would you just draw near to God today? 
All across this room, would you just bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? There's some of you in this room that don't have a relationship with Jesus today. I just believe that today is the day of salvation. And today is the day of salvation for somebody in this room, somebody watching online. I just believe it to be true that that, that literally you need to know, you need to understand, you need to realize that our sin, what it has done, is it separated us from God. Our sin has separated us from Him. And that sin, what it does is, again, there had to be a payment for sin made. Well, what I love about Jesus is that, again, He wasn't a God that was far off. He wasn't a God that was distant. No, He was willing to come and be Emmanuel, God with us. And he was willing to be born in a manger that we celebrate right now at Christmas time. That baby didn't stay in in the manger, but he grew up to be a man that never once failed, never once sinned, never once did anything that wasn't uh, uh, right. It was 100% right. He goes to a cross, and he dies in our spot. You know why? Because there had to be a payment made for our sin, a perfect payment, and Jesus was that. So the Bible tells us that, hey, you know what? You'll either, either accept the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you, or you'll spend eternity apart from him place called hell paying for your own sins that would be a tragedy you know why because Jesus has already paid for them Jesus is already willing to pay for them if you would just say yes to him so maybe you're in this room or watching online and you want to give your heart and life to Jesus today the Bible says if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we'll believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead the Bible says that we will be saved so I just want to I'm just going to lead you through just a time of repentance just a prayer have to be word for word, but if you would just mean it in your heart, you say something like this, dear Jesus, would you save me? Would you forgive me? Would you come in my life? I want you to be Lord of my life. I put my trust in you today. I ask for your forgiveness. I say yes to your grace. I say, I give you my life today, and I ask you to save me today. Thank you for saving me. Help me live for you from this day forward that's you, you just prayed that, prayed something like it, if that's you here, listen, we don't want to embarrass you, we're not going to do anything crazy, but I would love to know that you just prayed that, you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you, just raise your hand up, wave at me, and you can drop it right back down, you raise it up, you can drop it right back down, you raise it up, drop it right back down, awesome, awesome, now I'm going to talk to everybody, raise your hand or you just said yes to Jesus, we want you to know that that's the best decision you ever made and in just a second we're going to worship with a song that's called So Help Me God and uh, we're going to have people on either side of the platform here that we would love to just be able to pray with you, love to be able to high five you love to be able to celebrate that with you we've got a Bible we want to put in your hands, a new believers God, we'd love to do that be incredible just to meet you, that's one way that you can let us know that you made the decision, another way if you're watching online or you want to let us know this way is actually you can text the word PURPOSE Two seven zero two two nine six four eight eight, and that lets us know that. And so maybe that's the way that you want to do that. If you want to do it that way, that's awesome as well. But I, I'm going to open up in just a second. We're going to actually open up this area down here. And I just I just consider that just an altar area. And maybe some of us are walking through a wilderness season. Maybe you find yourself in the middle of that season, and maybe you find yourself in the middle of uh, of not knowing what to do next. And we just want to be a church that carries that with you. Let's carry it together. Let's believe God for something. Let's believe God that, that He is going to uh, breakthrough is coming. And that, that that we're going to pair our faith together with with each other. And so all across this room, would you mind doing this with me? Would you mind standing to your feet right now as quietly as you can, heads bowed, eyes closed, still? We're going to pray and then we're going to worship and sing this song.
Again, I'm going to ask you to move. I'm going to ask you to respond how you can. By coming down here, you're welcome that this altar area is open. Our prayer team and leaders are going to be on either side of the, the platform here. And we'd love to just sing and just cry out this song. So help me, God. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. Not on my own, but with God's help. In the middle of your need, it can drive you to the one that has control of it all. And I'm just going to ask us to respond to that. Everybody good with that? Everybody good? Okay, let's pray together and let's worship. Jesus, we thank you so much for today. God, we honor you. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you've given your life for us. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to come into a place and we get to worship you. And Father God, I pray that today as we respond, today as we lean in, today as we hear your voice, today as we're responding to, to, to the, the stuff that we're walking through, that we wouldn't do this, that we would know that we're not alone because you're with us. And then we would know that we have a church family that's with us. That's willing to, to be right there in the middle of it, praying with us and going through this life with us. So, God, I just ask right now that you would be in this place. Holy Spirit, move as only you can. Help us to respond how you want us to respond. In Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.